Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast, where we ignite the sparks of innovation. I'm your host, Jim Mayer, and I have an exceptional treat for you today. Picture this, a janitor in a commercial product manufacturer with curiosity as his compass transforms into a cornerstone of the industry. Today's guest is not just a manufacturing expert. He's the embodiment of the started from the bottom, now we're here narrative. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me immense pleasure to introduce our guest, a third generation manufacturing maverick, Nate Ingram. Starting with a mop and an inquisitive mind, Nate defied odds, asked the right questions, and steadily climbed the corporate ladder. Having operated on both sides of the industry, from customer service supplier of capital expenditures to program management with top-tier customers, Nate's broad experience has shaped his unique and valuable perspective. Now he uses these insights to lead Genuine Machine, a build-to-print precision component and assembly contract manufacturer at the forefront of the aerospace and defense industry. But don't let his impressive resume fool you. Off-duty, Nate is just as dedicated to his personal life, cherishing time spent with his wife, their two uniquely beautiful daughters, and their close-knit circle of family and friends. Prepare to dive deep into power, propulsion, control of fluid, flight, air, and thermodynamics. We're about to unpack the journey of a lifetime, the career of a visionary, and the world of genuine machine under Nate's leadership. Buckle up, folks, for an adventure with Nate Ankrum. This is a ride you won't want to miss. Hello, Nate. Welcome to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Jim, I'm doing great. I really sincerely appreciate you having me, and it is an honor to be selected. So thank you so very much for allowing me to represent uh, manufacturing as a whole, uh, our industry, aerospace, uh, also some semiconductor, and as well as our humble little uh, facility out here in Gilbert, Arizona, Genuine Machine Products. Absolutely. You're very welcome. And, and Nate, uh, this this wasn't a hard decision. Um, I've been following Genuine Machine on social media for quite some time. Um, and about six to nine months ago, I really saw a change in the social media presence uh, of the organization and and saw how much you recognize your employees. And so that's what prompted me. Uh, we actually connected after being on LinkedIn, connected on LinkedIn for a while. We, we uh, met in person at a ATMA meeting here in Arizona. And, and uh, as soon as I realized it was you, I ha- I asked you to be on the show. I had to have you as a guest. Uh, so I appreciate you being on. Yeah. I'm, I, like I said, I'm honored. Uh, it's, it's such a phenomenal industry and the NTMA and the ATMA, are just great organizations. If you're not in, get in. Uh, they are they're definitely going to help you, um, and you'll get to connect with guys like Jim. And so, yeah. Yeah. pretty <laughs> pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and it, they're wonderful organizations. I used to be a staff member for the national group. Uh, been a part of the Arizona chapter here for um, probably about a decade now. I love it. It's uh, there's no place quite like it for people in our industry. Um, yeah. 
Nate, that being said, tell us a little bit more about Genuine Machine. Uh, I, I mean, tell us uh, what's going on, how many employees you have, what industry do you serve? Tell us more about the company. Absolutely happy to. So we are in our 27th year of operations. Uh, we are in Gilbert's. We've slowly taken over all the suites. Uh, we started with one simple bay. Uh, we have 74 employees right now. We're looking to onboard another 12. Wow. Uh, so we are we are blessed with a lot of good opportunities and work right now and um, really looking forward to finding people that are like-minded with our values and our culture. So that being said, uh, back to the drawing board. So Brad Gottwald's our owner. Uh, Brad uh, was working for his father and his older brother, uh, Doug, who uh, worked for Robrad, and they're just down the road from us. Mm-hmm. So Robert Gottwald recognized that Doug and Brad weren't going to get along, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, brothers being brothers. So mm-hmm. he approached Brad and said, hey, you should probably break out on your own here. And, and he supported that. And that's how Genuine got its start. And 10 months into working in a little 2,500 square foot bay, his dad leased to him. He started with a welder and he started with a Nakamura Tomei TMC 300. We still have it. I think it has sentimental value. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but th- that's how the company was built. It started uh, with a first vendor code. Uh, we've been serving and married to, and we are a great partner to serve Honeywell. So we started with them and we've been with them the entire time. Wow. Yeah, so we've we went from that to where we're at now in, in our campus over here. We're in two buildings. Uh, so we grew from uh, the 2,500 to start into a uh, 7,500 square foot feet. We now have 63,500 square feet. Wow. And yeah, we've got a lot of uh, empty space. And, and the reason I decided to add on to it is because we have potential project. Uh, it's very costly to move businesses of our size due to the regulations that we abide by under ISO 9001, AS9100 and per our customers. True. So our, our industries that we serve, we are... Uh, aeronautic and astronautic. So essentially we are in aerospace, space and defense. So we do a lot of uh, civilian aircraft. Uh, most of our components end up going on to Airbus and Boeing. Okay. Uh, in addition to that, we do a lot of defense and the defense aspect. We're on a lot of programs for our other customers that we serve. I'll just say that uh, we're on the fighter jets. We're also on the rockets and the missiles and the hypersonics and uh what else we just broke into semiconductor a couple of years back. Uh, Good for so you. We're learning. Yeah. Yeah. We're learning a great deal and we are blessed with a customer that's taken a, a chance on us. Uh, we are coming up that learning curve slowly, but we will, we'll get there. And yeah. it's a, it's an exciting thing because now we're all learning again, you know, and, and it's like, Oh, we have to do this different. Oh, we have, we can't <laughs> do that. So <laughs> it's interesting. Nate, when did you join genuine? Veterans Day of 2019. So 11-11-19. Wow. Okay. And that, that, that was intentional. Uh, I felt like that was a lucky number. And <laughs> uh, most of my friends uh, are former or they are active duty military personnel. Yeah. So um, I, I really want to do my job and protect the warfighter. Um, and so I take a lot of pride in what we do and I get really upset with myself or uh, if we're late or if we're not able to uh, make a, a product get to the lines in time to feed their supplies. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. So you've been there going on almost four almost years. Four. Yeah. Wow. Almost That's pretty four. neat. Uh, Nate. So where let, let's get into the first big question that I ask all my guests. 
what has been your culture cultural journey at Genuine Machine? Where was the culture when you started nearly four years ago? Where is it now? And and where do you want to get it to? Oh wow. Okay, we'll start with let me take you back to the Dewey the Dewey slopes of November of nineteen. All right, uh, let's do it. Pre-COVID and everything. Let's yeah, do it. exactly. Hey, we're going to have a stellar year. We just came off our banner year. Uh, look at the numbers. Look at the metrics. Look at what we got installed. Um, and essentially, I was getting downloaded and uploaded from uh, our board. And I wasn't allowed to kind of come into the facility because it was going to be kind of an announcement that Brad was going to make once I arrived. Sure. So I didn't get a lot of time with the players that were in the executive leadership team at the time, the management team and the, the lead team that's on the floor. And uh, ultimately, uh, it came at, it became evident within the first, uh, it, it sounds egotistical, but it became evident within the first couple of weeks that I had some folks that uh, didn't really understand why they were doing what they were doing. Yeah. So we started to expose gaps. We started to also expose some, I, I'm going to be honest, a little toxic. Uh, yeah. It was a little okay. toxicity. And there were some poison wells out there. Yep. Um, and I was getting ingrained into the weeds, uh, which I needed to do uh, to understand what was happening, why it was happening. So I was really spinning my wheels. And then when the layer of the, <laughs> the craziness with the pandemic uh, happened. It really accelerated it. So I'm kind of, this is going to sound odd. I was thankful that that happened. It, I think a lot more good came from the pandemic than people really care to admit sometimes. I mean, I, I for me, I got to spend an immense amount of time with my family. And mm -hmm. for somebody who had been on the road for the better part of 20 years at that point, I'd miss soccer games and and ballet recitals and birthdays and all the that kind of fun stuff. Having that time with my family where everybody was just a captive audience was actually kind of special. And, and it sounds like uh, different but similar. You had a, it was a, a positive for you as well. Yeah, the, the, on the personal side, uh, I agree with you. Uh, I, I used to travel a significant amount um, 32 to 36 weeks a year. Wow. And that had kind of calmed down over the, the couple few years leading into genuine, but I was still traveling. Traveling is not as fun as people think, uh, as <laughs> <No>. you know. <laughs> uh, and the, it, with addition to that, I, I know that, uh, uh, oh, where was I? I just lost my train of thought there. Um, the pandemic for forced us all kind of in. And I, I had right then and there realized, and I remember it, it was March 13th. So I had left on a trip on March the 5th, March okay. the 5th of 20. Yep. Everything was fine. Come back yep. March the 12th. It's like, where's the toilet paper? Why is it? <laughs> why is there no pasta? What the heck happened? Yeah. Absolutely. People are wearing masks and then they're, they're saying evil things about other people. And it's like, oh, I have no idea what the heck's going on because we were yeah. removed for a week. And I came in and I, I brought the folks in. Uh, I, I read up on the guidance on this and started to, to, to talk to the personnel uh, individual bases in our large conference room. And that's when I sensed that we, we really were missing uh, that galvanization. And I also realized that they, they hadn't really been spoken to where it's like, what do you think about that? And it's taken a while to get them to, to talk up, but we're there now. But uh, okay. going back though, it was, it, it was um, siloed uh, quality, wasn't at the center of the organization as it desires and inside the center of that and on the outside of everything else is safety. 
Yeah. Because safety protects lives and quality protects uh, work. Yep. So I recognize that. Uh, our teams that support at the pleasure of the, the factory floor were blaming the factory floor. And the folks on the factory floor didn't have a voice. Uh, so we started to have to change all those things. And you can't do it all overnight. And um, my naivety as a young president, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm go, go, go. And I was just burning myself out to uh, started to realize who was in my quote unquote foxhole yeah. and who I thought was in my foxhole too. So we went through all those um, migrations from 20 into 21. And uh, when I started to seek out a coach, uh, so I went into the Vistage group. And they are phenomenal. They've, they've really significantly helped me uh, really process my issues and understand it's always nice to have someone that you realize is going through the same thing or they've already been through it. Yep. Uh, so it started to make me a little bit more positive because at that point, Jim, I was really getting weighed down because I have compliance. I have to deal with the local municipality, the state, the Fed, all the stuff that was coming down from the CDC. So all I could do really was keep them calm by staying in front of them a lot. And so I would do that. It was exa exhausting from the sense that I would spend pretty much almost half a day having to talk to the whole team because I couldn't bring in more than groups of six or eight. Wow. And, and it was just fielding their questions, tough questions. Um, I got to know them a little bit deeper as a person, whether they knew that I was really listening and understanding the, the, their character or not. Uh, it, it highlighted to me also where there's a lot of uh, muda, where we're, we had waste, where we're not listening to our people. Mm. So that's a waste of talent, right? So it's yep. like, well, we need to start listening to these folks. And so we installed a feedback loop uh, on the floor. So Genuine Machine has computer stations at all of their workstations for the manufacturing equipment, okay. which was very new for me. I'm used to having the MLT and the paperwork packets flow out, yep. I under, it, but it allowed this opportunity to say it's automatic. It's right then and there. They can go to any workstation that they want, log in and tell us what they think needs to be done to this job or whether it's product specific, operation specific or a generalization. Uh, we created that process in 20 and we started to see a lot of good inputs, which then exposed other things such as getting the support departments to realize that they support at the pleasure of the factory. And yeah. we are still working that. And it's, it's being in manufacturing for so long and being, you know, the, the blue collar guy in a white collar office, it, <laughs> it's, it, it's like, I, I guess I'm baby blue. If you put them together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. oh, that could be my most favorite thing that I've ever heard. First, I, I, I didn't know that you would be able to top uh, a blue collar person in a white collar office. I thought that was spectacular. But then to throw in the baby blue, that that just really was the icing on the cake. I appreciate that. I almost spit out my coffee. Thank you. <laughs> I uh, I appreciate that. You you almost made me deaf with your laughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to do some sound adjustments when I uh, go through the post uh, on this one. Wow, that was good. Yeah, um, but we, we it started to expose that, uh, okay, we need to get some fundamental training and we need to start to uh, bring in some of my concepts from my Six Sigma and Lean background. I am not certified or accredited. It's just a natural 
thing for me to flex into that. Some of it has to do with spending time in Japan and getting trained by uh, the Japanese uh, for some of the builders that we represent. And it's just in their culture and they emanate it. And I absolutely loved it. I loved how everything's organized. And, and well, all of us as humans are pretty much, we have three things on in our brain all the time. We're the controller, the judge. Um, what's the other one? The perfectionist. Yeah. And so being a perfectionist and a controller, I always liked all of that. But when I really applied it in a prior life and I saw how, how those things took off, I said, that's what we need to do, Jim. I said, I'm going to bring in a sensei. We're going to do a book club. We're going to read the lean manager. It is pretty much a storyline, by the way, this lean manager book. It's about 600 pages long. So it's a bit, it's oh, a bit wow. of a read, but it, the whole team did it. Uh, during and mind you this is also when when we're in the pandemic and work went from hey they're looking at all this water under the boat and then it's like the water's out we're seated we're naked uh kind of exposed that so we we were able to sit down and, and start doing improvement activities and so in that we uh taught the entire team here at the time with that, that time we had about 85 uh folks and um i was shocked at my mistake uh, I, I realized that the people that loved it, you knew because they were working, they were excited. And the people that didn't understand it or want to take to get the time to understand it were exposed as well. So we had to start to make some difficult decisions. And I realized then, like I did in the first couple few weeks of being here, I may have to make some decisions to change some personnel out. So I'm one of the types that, uh, I, I have a big heart and, and I, I'm empathetic type of leader, but I'm also very serious. I'm a competitor because my life's purpose is to just do two things and that's provide and protect. Yep. And so that's my tribe. That's my wife. That's my kids. It's my tribe here. It's my tribe and my family. Um, and now it's, it's, it's pretty awesome that I have opportunities like this, Jim, to sit down and talk to you because two years ago it was, uh, it was pretty hot and heavy trying to make these changes and come up with these decisions and be, be confident yeah. uh, about them because unfortunately most of us in business, not just our industry, they tend to lead with insecurities and not yeah. confidence. And so I want to make sure that my team and my leaders and whoever we're sponsoring or, or we want to promote, uh, they lead with the same level of confidence because insecurities is where it gives birth to those uh, those anger emotions like frustration and, and then it can turn into toxicity and, and we don't need that. And yeah. by no means is genuine perfect, but we have made a lot of great strides over the last few years. And one of the pivotal points um, in, in doing so to, to your point of following us and, and looking at the social platform and, and seeing how we're talking about our people it came to me at a Vistage group meeting. Uh, we were being one of our speakers. His name's Jim Canfield. He has a book. Um, and I think it's the CEO tool 2.0 kit or something like that. Okay. But Jim's, um, he, he, he just said something and, and it made me realize I need to do that. And what it is, is I started to publish um, a letter that goes home. It gets mailed home. So, the roommates can read it, children can read it, your spouse, significant other, guardians, whatever. They, they can read it as well. It talks about the month that we just had. And then it talks about the individual that exemplifies all of our eight core values. 
So our core values is inspired. We want our people to be innovative and creative, nurture, nurture one another. Uh, we want them to be selfless, doing the right thing, you know, just saying, get over your ego, uh, just drop the ego. And mm-hmm. P, being passionate, you know, get get fired up and don't don't be frustration. Passion and frustration are, are neighbors and they can share sugar sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we, uh, so where was I? I was with passion. So then we also have, the integrity. We, we want to do the right thing always, even when no one's looking and respect. That's exactly what it's about. We have to be depositing respect and trust into one another's fictitious bank accounts throughout the day. Yeah. That, that it's, it, it's just got to be there. Um, and if you don't, you have to have the conversation, have the integrity to do so. So you put it out there. You don't speak in metaphors and loosely, you're very direct, but not, um, not, not too harsh on them. Mm-hmm. And then we want everyone to be excellent and excel so that we hit our goals and dependability. We want to be able to rely on you. So we talk about that individual uh, that is uh, highlighted in that month, how long they've been here, um, why the, they're being nominated, and of, all of each of those values, what is it that they've exemplified? And then the final paragraph is essentially what we need to do and where we're going. So this letter kind of game changed it for me because I was already building the values. I started with the executive leadership team and the management team cast a wide net. And we came up with, uh, actually our CFO, Shannon Davis came up with Inspired. Uh, we all loved it, so mm-hmm. we kept it. It's a little long, uh, typically when you do core values because we run on EOS, which is the entrepreneurial operating system. Mm-hmm. and they always say they recommend no more than seven, you know, five right. to seven. And so we, we have an, an extra one. And so far we're keeping it until we look at our um, our business plan next month. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to debate it again. Uh, so we did that and we started with uh, nominating. And I used to do a lot of town halls. Again, still kind of in the pandemic, still talking to them, able to now talk to them in larger group settings, but sprawled out. Yeah. And uh you know, we were, they were nominating their peers. So we got them used to that. We were giving out awards. So they would get a uh, custom made genuine jet logo um, with the inspired on it, as well as a gift card. Uh, we also have a, a, a swag bag. So they were able to get recognized, they were able to get all that. And so then this letter started the next layer. And we've been doing that actually, where are we at August right now? That'll be my 19th or 20th month doing it. Um, and I get, a, I'm actually getting a lot of feedback on, on those letters. Uh, one of my, my production supervisor at night came up to me this must've been six, seven months ago, Jim, he goes, you're talking to me. That's me. And this, and this letter, I got it. And he goes, you're talking to me on the floor here. And I said, I'm talking to all of you. <laughs> it's, uh, I, 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 I don't like to, um, blindside people. And I don't like, uh, to play that politicking game. Yeah. But I also know there's a time and an opportunity how to handle things. And so, so I tell them the good, the bad and the ugly, and I don't hide things from them. And it, it's better than being taken off guard. Cause when I came from the floor, it was hard to know what we're doing. Where are we going? Yeah. Like how, how's the company doing? Uh, is this product really worth it? Uh, you know, how can we don't deal with this facility issue or how can we allow this type of behavior from these individuals or what have you? So, so it's, it's good. It's been a, it's been a good journey to get there. And, and 
then I think in more recent time here in the past year, I ran a couple of book clubs after we brought in the lean sensei I realized that, you know, we got to pause on this and then integrate it later. Yeah. We have to go back to that kind of a foundation now. And so we're essentially, uh, I, I tell my team, it says, we're flying the jet while you repair it. That's essentially what we're doing. And it's, it's been, um, a good task. It, it's been difficult. We make a lot of traction at certain times of the year. Other times we're just too busy with uh, solving our, uh, concerns and improving our processes or our products for our customers that we serve. And it really, at the end of the day, it comes down to people because any business can replicate a product or a process. Sure. They can't <laughs> replicate people. So I want to continue to do more, which is why I finally hitched up with um, the entrepreneurial operating system so we can have a framework since I'm a more of a strategist. And in that journey of finding out I'm a strategist, I actually brought in the predictive index, which is an expensive software, but it's about behavioral types. And I loved it because the psychological effects of it is this is who I am. These are my shortcomings. And this is how you coach and mentor this person because you have a stronger personality. Yeah. So that was a part of our cultural journey. And um, we don't really leverage that anymore uh, due to a little bit of the cost. And it's more about the, the business right now. But we're what was your profile? I'm, I'm a maverick. What, what's your profile, Nate? Uh, strategist. So okay. you're, you and I are um, probably close in, in passion and yeah. the high AC, you know, that's, that's a, absolutely. Mm, that's awesome. But one thing it is, I, I didn't know this, Jim, but out of the 20 million people that are on that, I found out that the strategist was 1.7%. And I said, what does that mean? <laughs> does that mean I messed up or something? <laughs> and they said, no, they said, you're exactly where you should be mavericks and strategists. And I, I think a pioneer, yeah. those are the ones that typically are the ones leading companies and and are disinhibited and that I just yeah. happen to be a little bit more rigid with my thought or process. <laughs> That's yeah, what I've learned. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it, but that doesn't mean anything. It, it just means if it's going to be supported. I asked my team, we all knew that we need to batten down the hatches a year and a half ago, a year ago. And we said, okay, we'll just I'll put on hold this for right now. Um, but that was a part of that journey as well is understanding the people deeper so we can coach them. And, and we also found some interesting things when you started creating job profiles within that sure. database, yeah. like, holy crap, I've got someone on the damn customer account management team that would really shine in final inspection. Yeah. It's like, we have them on the wrong seat. So we, um, didn't do a lot of dramatic changes with that. Because again, you're dealing with the human being there and you just have to get to know them. And some of the the folks really want this job or this role, or they think that's for them. And um, when we put data in front of them, that was what was interesting as they started to say, I am this, I am this, I am this. Exactly. Like, wow. It's also saying that you're in the wrong seat. I'm yeah. Like, no way. <laughs> it's like, it's right here. <laughs> uh, so, so it worked uh, uh, a little bit, but uh, we didn't get to enjoy it for the longevity. I think if we kept practicing that muscle, it would just gotten better. But, um, but that was another kind of brief, I'll, I'll say step for a good year there. And, and from that, we, we started to galvanize the team again about this framework for our business being that strategist. So I brought in the entrepreneurial operating system. So Gina Wickman's book traction, mm -hmm. they um, do a really good job of breaking it down and I'm not going to talk about it specifically, but what I love about it is it's just like 
rowing in the same direction. And if we have, uh, if we're in a canoe, this is the best way I can word it. Like my coach that took us, uh, that helped implement us. He said, look, I could be rowing in front. You could be in the back. We could just go in circles because we're rowing in the same direction. We need to be opposite. So now you've got us rowing opposite and now we're able to make momentum, but we're aiming for this target across the lake, but we keep drifting left. What this does is, is these weekly level 10 meetings that we have through my staff and my staff staff, it keeps us aligned to those goals, those metrics, the vision. And I, I know you know I'm a visionary. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of the things I naturally just uh, flex into, but some of my people are not. And this gives me an opportunity to put my vision out there, articulate it, or rather just, just word it in a simpler uh, means, and then they can contribute to it. So they speak up more, they ask questions. So that has also helped our culture because it's installed the accountability. And we've done a lot of studies in that time period too, mainly from Patrick Lincoln's five dysfunctions of a team. Yeah. So we wanted to start with, you got to start with trust, right? And everything Absolutely. that we do, we have to be able to trust you. So there was an absence of trust at Genuine Machine because I sent the survey out and I said, we, we can't have accountability because everyone goes, I want accountability. <laughs> yeah, you got to start with trust and trust requires that we have healthy conflict, right? Healthy conflict means that we don't get emotional. We don't try to eat each other. We reach an agreement. And now that we have agreements, we can get to accountability and ultimately what the board what, what our owner wants, what I want, what my other leaders want, results. Yep. So uh, that's kind of been the, the entire path here uh, leading up into this year. So EOS has been active with my team. We're pushing it down a layer to the management team this quarter and going in. That's awesome. our fiscal year ends on, on 930. Yeah, it's been, it's been phenomenal. Um, and I'm ready to, to start the next leg of this culture journey. Um, cause when I was, I, I don't know a lot about your past gym, as far as working in the machine shop and all that, but I just remember being mentored Yeah, and we all, I'm sure you have great mentors just yep. like I, I did. Uh, I could list probably, I could sit here for five minutes and list them all. <laughs> the issue that, that we were starting to have is, is values. If I say respect and I ask you to write it down. And I have to write mine down and we ask the next person, the next person, it means something a little similar, but different. Absolutely. So when I say passionate, when I say integrity, it, it doesn't land all the time. And sometimes we, we have our team elect members within our community that don't always show us that uh, mask all the time Yep, because there are masks that people wear and they look at us like, why did you elect this person? So I need to kind of put these fundamentals together. So the fundamentals I'm speaking about are a culture wise. So culture wise is uh, a great firm. Um, Mr. Friedman's been, gosh, he already ran a company and sold it. I think it was an accounting firm and now he does this <laughs> and culture wise is something I'm, I'm going after next. Okay. And what he has, if you visit culture wise, you'll see that he has 30 fundamentals. And what it is is, um, I don't have them committed to memory because this is on my to-do over the next two quarters to, to go out to a, 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 a culture-wise event, understand how to properly initiate this. Because if you don't initiate it well, it's not going to land. Right. And it's all giving root in that discussion about, 
you know, this value means something to you, means something to this person. We're going to break that down and we're going to say, we want to have the most excellent customer service and the most excellent customer service means this. And you, you continue that ritualization at your meetings, your daily standups. So we have daily accountable tier meetings every day, okay. uh, tier one, two, three, and four. And then we have level 10 meetings every week, myself, my operations, my finance, my quality, and eventually we'll have the other teams, engineering, production, et cetera. In those meetings and in those daily accountable meetings that we have, the fundamental gets talked about every day. They'll read it off, they'll read what it means, and then they're gonna have to ask what that means to the people. So I'm not really concerned so much with my team. I know it sounds bad. I wanna make sure that leadership's on the floor when yeah, that happens. Absolutely. Because we have to be there to field it. And and exactly, you got to be the nest, right? You got to kind of mom them up here yep. and, and not be, not be too tenacious and, 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 and anything really, you're just there to support them and you want to make sure they're comfortable because uh, a lot of the, of the types of personalities that we have within manufacturing, they're silent. Yep. They're strong, silent types, or they're they're loud. <laughs> One or the like, other. So There's not a whole lot of between. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's either you're this spectrum or that spectrum. So we want to make sure we know that these this group, this type A, is going to speak up, and then it's this type B that we gotta we gotta make sure we pull it out of them too, so they know that you're going along with us, and you do have a say in this, and this is where we're going and why we're going there. Um, so I'd say that kind of gets us up to kind of where we're at right now. And where I want to go with it is installing that in the next uh, fiscal year, ritualizing it. But my ultimate goal is to essentially weaponize my culture so that the people that are out there in businesses right now that are looking for a journey where we're going to listen to them and develop them, that is part of it. The other part of it is the customer's will also want to do business with you because of the integrity aspect and the fact that you're getting good people and you're uh, getting them out of their own heads and out of their own way. And you show them, no, you are able to achieve this yeah. uh, and the skill set, get the skill set up um, and get new suppliers. You know, we need partners that, that uh, are going to support us and where we go and grow uh, specifically with, you know, the new, new prospective clients that we're catering to in these projects, but our existing as well, our existing accounts that got us here, we have to, we have to continuously spoil them and delight them. And it takes people to do that. Yep. It really does. And, and there's a lot of talk about AI and automates in there, but people are still what make it happen. And at the end of the day, even if you do fully automate your shop, you still have to have someone knows how to program it, someone how to diagnose it, someone. So you still have to take care of your people. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's well, been, it's been a lot it, of fun. And Nate, let me ask you a couple of quick questions here. You said that you're in, in the very beginning. You said you're uh, onboarding twelve new employees. Um, that must mean that. I mean, you're obviously doing the right things, right? Because you're attracting these people. How are you interviewing and making sure that these new employees are a good cultural fit? That's that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, 
So I've spent enough time hovering. I don't hover as much anymore, but I do get called into certain interviews, mm-hmm. um, depending upon how vital the role is to the business. So I've also done a lot of learning and self-reflection. You always have to look inward on your own mistakes and call yourself out. So each time I've uh, learned from a, we call it failure, but really it's not a failure unless you don't learn from it. So each <laughs> time I learn from these, I said, okay, that didn't work. This didn't work. So this go around, for example, I, I onboarded um, a new quality assurance manager. And rather than kind of letting them come in and doing these things and all that, it, it was I was very quick to galvanize the team and say, I need everyone's support. The best way to onboard someone in this role is to let them walk the process from cradle to grave. And since you're all process owners, you're going to spend X amount of time and X amount of time and X amount of time. And I'm going to so I, I lay out this whole map, and that's been very successful. But in the interview process itself, we have got uh, qualified uh, personnel that conduct these reviews, that vet them, and bring them on site. So our HR manager, she's phenomenal at getting a lot of candidates, getting back to them, coordinating it with our internal staff. So we get them right when the opportunity's hot. Then we get them into the room, start doing the interview process. So we stick them with a buddy Mm -hmm. and we have a uh, training matrix for every department. Uh, It's a, it's a color coded needs training. It's got drop down menus in it and just says, okay, here's safety. Here's your standard, you know, annual training that you have. Then you have department specific and what there's a gap right now. I need to get procedures in there, but uh, we're working that as a team. But the, the fun part is, is as they started to realize that all this this work I'm asking them to do, I'm like, you now have a roadmap. You just follow the roadmap. There's no <laughs> guessing. It's just just do this to go A, B. Oh, we didn't do C. No problem. Go to E, F. Yeah. Now you go back to C and D. And and so that's been helpful, beneficial. Um, additionally, the the empowerment, I think, and that comes through getting to know the individuals that you have, um, you know, serving their teams. So that they can feel empowered now, rather than I'm just going to not say anything because we needed a, a person in here. It's like, no, if, if they're missing work or they're consistently late or yeah, we need to have the difficult conversation with them so they understand they're not meeting our expectation. And so mm-hmm. that's been getting a lot better, too. And it right sides some people. Some people just doesn't work out. Uh, we've uh, onboarded 11. We're hiring 12 more. And we've onboarded 11 here since uh, end of May, beginning of June. Okay. And a lot of it's been in the, it's been mainly our direct labor uh, workforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the direct labor workforce is, uh, is pretty much our biggest push at this moment, just as things start to normalize, because our industry in aerospace is, is normalizing. It is back to near normal levels. So yeah, um, got a lot of good stuff in front of us. That's awesome. So Nate, um, to me, and this is what I work with my clients and, and I've said it multiple times here on the podcast, culture is simply the alignment of corporate and leadership values and the values of, of the team. And, and you've done a great job of, of aligning those things uh, to, to build out the culture as you look to genuine 2.0 and, 
and, and the culture that you're lo- the cultural journey that you continue on. How much are you going to involve people on the shop floor um, and, and different operational areas of the organization in, in shaping and forming that that culture of the future? That will always be. Uh, it's it's just it's hardwired my DNA to do it. So I don't know how else to lead, manage, and and hold myself accountable without instilling that and without having those subject matter experts that are pretty much taking grenades on the front line. And if you're going to lead any team or platoon or any, you have got to have Jocko Willink's extreme ownership. Uh, And when you read that book, when I read it, I don't, I don't, I'm assuming you did too, Jim is, is just, I got an opportunity to to meet Leaf. Uh, Babin uh, at an NTMA oh. event um, with nice. the, the co-author. Yeah, and it, it was absolutely phenomenal. One of those starstruck moments. I mean, I I don't know if there are <laughs> many celebrities that I would be, you know, jaw on the floor like giddy. Um, but I was definitely giddy when I met Leaf. It was it was pretty special. No, that's that, that's absolutely amazing, and and something I should share uh, since we're learning one another is. Back in that terrible day for all of us in our nation, September 11th, uh, my wife was uh, pregnant with our first daughter, Jade. And I came home and I just said, I was actually going out to stare it <laughs> to do really? CMM, uh, Apogee okay. software training. Yeah. And so I, I remember I was late too, of course, because I was much younger <laughs> and I overslept. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm getting up and I'm like, my wife's calling me and I'm on the cell phone. I'm like, what? She's like, you need to turn on the radio. You don't know what's going on. I said, what are you talking about? So I turned the radio on. I was like, what the heck is happening? So I, I wanted to get back uh, home and tell her I, I want to go in. I want to become active duty. And she says, look, I know that you want to go into the Navy and become go to Buds and try to go become a SEAL and all that. But you, you should just stay home and help your friends. And they need people here like you to help get them their munitions, ordinances, weapons, planes, helicopter. I'm like, she's right. Yeah. And I didn't want to lose what I had with my wife and my, my kids. So I've always taken that approach since September 12th of uh, 2001. It's like, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm here to serve and this is my way of serving. So. That's really neat. And, and that story actually gave me goosebumps, man. That That's a really neat, uh, oh, wow. short little story. Well, I, for me, I, I was working, um, and I was actually selling used cars at that point in my career, um, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, wow. and Western Michigan. Yeah, buddy. And, uh, I walked in, I had been showing a car. I walked into the the break room where we had a TV and uh, all of a sudden the, uh, the footage cut to uh, the towers and I had no idea what was going on. And it was just, so your story just evoked a lot of uh, fear yeah. within me, right? And, and I think that anybody of our age—I don't know exactly how old you are—but we're roughly in within the same decade, I would imagine. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. Anybody that is our general age, older, maybe even some that are younger—that's um, that's a moment that 
lives inside uh, of my uh, psyche forever, right? Um, and yeah. so just you bringing that up evoked my own journey. Um, I did uh, go to a, a naval office and enlist. Um, wow. And uh, unfortunately injured myself. Uh, before I could deploy to basic training, cut both flexor tendons in my middle finger, uh, couldn't do uh, what I needed to do. I was going into the Navy as well, though. Um, I, I was going in to be a, a, a aircrew rescue swimmer. I was a much fitter person. And mm. so that's right. my story with it. And and so just you sharing it gave me goosebumps. And I'm sure there are people out there who will listen to this and and have a similar reaction to that story. So uh, while you didn't serve, uh, I can really appreciate uh, and I feel with you on what your contribution has been to the people who do serve. So uh, I, I'm right there with you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that too, because you're right. It is such a personal, like you, I like how you said it's in your psyche. It's always burned in there. So yeah. Um, yeah. Every year I get, teary. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter how long it's been. I get teary every year. Um, and even just thinking about as we're recording this now, I got a little, uh, emotional, a little choked up. So, um, yeah, yeah, no worries. I get it. It's totally, uh, it's, Totally allowed, you know. I mean, you yeah. should feel your emotions, and you, you shouldn't block them. <laughs> they, they come boiling out later. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, Nate, uh, back to to genuine and the culture. Uh, I know that you're you're you know you use EOS, which is phenomenal. You push the rock. You do the 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 EOS. You do the Vistage. You're looking at culture wise. How are you measuring? the effectiveness of culture currently are, are there specific kpis or metrics that you look at to to measure your culture no uh, we're failing at that and, and i could say that because we just actually had my l10 um they're on fridays and one of the things i mentioned is that we have got to go back into understanding our engagement so at the beginning of our year which comes up in october we're going to start to engage with our employees directly on uh obviously uh unanimous you know anonymously excuse me uh, they're going to tell us what they think what we can prove so we're, we're going to start asking for that um, unfiltered feedback yeah so we can begin to make them actions and understand them a little bit deeper um Admittedly, I've, I've kind of highlight, I've highlighted some key points, but I've missed some of the things like soft things that we've done for our folks. And so one is is that we've given them a Veterans Day off because we serve the warfighter a lot over here with what we do. Sure. So we want to honor them and celebrate that day. And it's it's also another soft one that we've done is I want them to celebrate themselves. I, I took this from another company I had the pleasure of serving before is they gave um, any day of the month that you're born in that you can have it off. It's just a holiday for you to say, hey, happy birthday. That's cool. Um, yeah, uh, we. I've also gotten to the habit now. We, we run Paylocity here, so we do get a score from Paylocity. Um, I need to get a little bit more ingrained with my HR manager on what that score means and how we're how we're leveraging it because i've not done uh, what is that i think it's called the nps score or something like that yeah but 
I've got to get into that to, to understand what we should be doing a little bit more of. So there's more to come and it's just on the docket. I just haven't done it. We did a couple uh, and we started to go to work and it was that trust survey that we did. And sure. that's when we realized it's like, okay, we need to develop trust. And uh, we started to, it, it took a bit, but we exposed some folks that were in uh precious leadership position. I say precious because they're going to follow whatever you do. So if you're a bad leader, they're going to act out and be bad. And, you know, I, I've learned through the Stoics and Ryan Holiday, who does the Daily Stoic. Uh, Marcus Aurelius is the one that, that said it the best and it really resonated with me. It's like, you know, they don't know if you're a good person or a bad person. They don't know if you're a good leader or a bad leader. Yeah. So you have to show them and it takes People are on their own timeline there. So it's just been one of those things. But we are not doing a good enough job with gauging, um, metricing it or KPIing it and saying, okay, where are we at? Where do we want to go? Uh, I expect more of that to start to come with the culture-wise initiatives and installations, uh, as well as the survey. We're going to run it. Right now, we've slotted. We'll start in October. We'll do it two times a year. I, I do think that we may have to do it quarterly. But we're going to start with two times a year because I think we're going to have a lot of big mountains to move in the first one. And then if it's anything like the very first one we did, uh, <laughs> and then we're going to have kind of a reset where we were at six months later. Did we move the needle? And yeah. if we move the needle on these, great. Now we can start to get some traction with it and continue to continue to move forward. And um, right now we're doing like ironically today, I, I brought in pizza. It sounds so cliche because people complain, oh, the pizza lunch, right? But uh, I've got some support departments that are doing a lot of hours. I got guys that, that I I'm exp I know what my responsibility I, I I'm pretty much 24-7. I have to look at emails, I have to respond, I have to read. And, uh, yeah. um, I do obviously believe in, in rest. I believe that you have to stay rested. You have to schedule that. So I do rest, but uh, I'm always on. And these guys, their cars and trucks are still in the parking lot. When I leave and they're sometimes here before I get here. If not, they're here before I get here and they're here after. So I wanted to just say thanks to, and that's my engineering community and my uh, quality community. So I pulled them in to say thank you. And I, I, I really liked it. I, I enjoyed kind of that round table moment. And I said, you know, we need to do more of this. And I said, you know what, next time, because pizza lunch is so cliche. I said, what do you guys want to eat? <laughs> I said, really? I said, yeah, just tell it. You want Indian? We'll get Indian. You want right. Chinese? We'll get Chinese. Yeah, I just, we, we should, we, we just got to listen to them and treat them the way that, you know, that we want to be treated or the way that they want to be treated. That's the platinum rule, but it's, it's, uh, it's pretty, um, it's, it's pretty awesome to see the changes, but now I need to get a track record going to your point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well, Nate, usually I ask for three initiatives that you've implemented to, to change the culture. Uh, you've given us like 12. So I'm not even going to ask you to repeat these um, <laughs> because you, you've given us so many. Um, so I'm going to move right into the last uh, question here. What are some last final parting thoughts that you have for, for the listeners of the podcast? Well, first of all, I, th I appreciate if you if you listen to the whole thing. I really am enjoying what Jim's doing for our industry. But, uh, you know, we've got to do um, our nation a service. And every strong nation 
makes things. And if we continue to allow our jobs to go overseas or allow our politicians, I'm sorry to not trying to use this platform for that, but the reality is, is that we have got to manufacture goods. We have got to get our folks realizing that the school system was built off of the draconic thing that was founded by the Rock, Rockefellers, which he got it from the Prussians, and it was to create docile workers. I want workers that are creative. I want workers that are innovative. And so we've got to get our trade schools. Skills Up AZ, which you're a part of, Jim, is huge. Yep. And loving the fact that I can send my staff who are now going to be in the NTMA University for math skills to blueprint reading skills to metallurgy. Yep. So we've got to continue to lead and develop our staffs because guess what? Our, unfortunately, our fathers didn't or they did the best job they could. And our grandfathers, and it's just, if you look back on, I'll just give you a vehicle, Dodge Power Wagon. We can go find one in a field up in Iowa right now. I guarantee you we can get it to turn over because our, right. our forefathers built some amazing things. And absolutely, we just got to do it. You know, we yep. just got to get these folks engaged. And the only way to do that is they have to understand that work takes effort and there's nothing more fulfilling than making something. Yeah. And creating it on your own. It's so, uh, such an experience. I can't even find a word for it. That's powerful enough. No, I, I, I understand, uh, the gravity of what you're trying to convey. I can't think of the word either, but I, I, I'm with you on what you're trying to convey. Yeah. And, and I know that there's also a lot of awesome industries out there too, because uh, most of my friends are, uh, are blue collar friends and, and they're, plumbers, they're electricians, they're, uh, some guys work for, for, you know, Intel down the street as cybersecurity officers. I know that that's not a blue collar worker, but the reality is, is they're all trying to protect interests. They're all trying to build their dreams and help whether they have a family or not out. And, and I think that we as uh, manufacturing have an obligation to protect America. And that's, through competitive sustaining advantage, through continuing to do science, tech, engineering, math, manufacturing, and that's where it's at. That's how we're going to always set ourselves apart. And, and um, I think, I think the best influencer in the entire world is Mr. Musk for that. He's yeah. done such a great job of showing and illustrating that. And I love the guy because he says. Yeah, I don't need a design engineer. I need a manufacturing engineer. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like everyone wants to do design. It's like, it's not sexy. It's just, look, a rendering. It's like, yeah. <laughs> part of it. But, like, but when you're cutting ink and all, you, you, you kind of need to know your speeds, feeds, how quick you can push that cutter. Do you have the right flute? Do you have the right coating? Do you have the wrong cutter? Do you, I mean, yeah. there's a lot to it. And, and it's just, you're always learning. You're never... It's double negative. You're never not learning. You're always no, you're learning not, something yeah, new. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. It's 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 so it's so impressive. And and uh, but I just I'm humbled and, and honored by the opportunity to be able to speak and and to be a part of your podcast. And hopefully I get to do more with them uh, uh, with you in the future with others. I just I think it's time I've uh, got some time where I can break away and do this. And and I still got to stay focused on my my ABCs with my business. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the, it's been, it's been rewarding. It's been uh, every emotion and I'm sorry to kind of plug this, but, but he, he's no longer with us. He's a hip hop artist. Uh, 
uh, Nipsey Hussle at that yeah. used to used to say, "I've gone through every emotion. The only difference is I didn't quit." And we I always feel the ceiling, and yeah, and you just feel pressure. Diamonds are formed under pressure. Yep. So olives are you know get olive oil without squeezing the olives. So it's just like <laughs> we we can we can do this. So yep. absolutely. <laughs> No, I love it. And thank you, Nate, for, for being on today. This was a, an awesome story. Um, I really appreciate your time. And we, you and I will be working uh, together again. Uh, we've talked about that other project that I'm working on, and that's starting to take shape. Um, so oh, wow. I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. Um, but mm. this, we will tell awesome. more of the genuine story. We'll, we'll, uh, work together again. We'll have more conversations. Uh, but thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. And, uh, it, I, I would thoroughly love to learn more about that, uh, that opportunity that you just spoke of, but it's on its way, my man. Uh, so folks, just like that, another riveting episode of the manufacturing culture podcast comes to a close. I'd like, again, to extend my sincerest thanks to our guest, Nate Ankrum, for sharing this insightful, interesting, eclectic journey at Genuine Machine and for detailing the challenges he faced and fostering the, the empowering culture that he has created over the last three and a half years. Uh, and also for giving us a snapshot of what it's like to navigate cultural shifts, specifically in our industry. From the origins of Genuine Machines culture to how it's evolved and what its future has in store, Nate has painted a vivid picture of a company that values not just expertise in technology, but the individual voices and stories that, that really make up its core. We've learned about challenges and triumphs of integrating company culture into recruitment, uh, aligning culture with business strategies, and so much more today. These insights and advice Nate shared will surely inspire not just manufacturing industry leaders, but anyone keen on shaping and improving their company culture. Remember, folks, we barely scratched the surface of the wealth, the wealth that Nate has to share. So for more episodes like this one, don't forget to visit our website, manufacturingculturepodcast.com, where we continuously shed light on the vibrant and dynamic culture of the manufacturing industry. If today's episode sparked your curiosity or inspired you in some way, shape, or form, we ask that you share it with your friends, colleagues, and anyone else who might find value in these discussions. Also, please, please, please take a moment to rate and review our show. Not only is your feedback instrumental to helping us bring you more conversations like this one, but it rockets us up the charts. And the more and higher we go up the charts, the more people find us when they're looking for podcasts, which means we, again, get to bring you better content. So that's all for now. But as you know, the gears of the manufacturing world never stop turning. Join us again next time as we continue to explore the minds of industry pioneers and explore the thriving culture of manufacturing. Until then, have a great day and keep making things.